Hello and welcome to the Shadow Work Library. My name is Jessica DePotzi and I have a very special episode for you today with one of my good friends, Mark England. Now, before I get into that, apologies for this intro's audio quality. I'm at my parents' house in Phoenix right now and I didn't bring my microphone because my bag is always overweight and it was still overweight, I could have brought it, but anyway, I need to get a scale, manage that. So the rest of the show will not sound like this. Mark has been on the show before. He was on early on in the Shadow Work Library years, like maybe three years ago. And it's still, that episode is still one of the most listened to episodes and for good reason. He has a great system for casting spells, really. He's a self-identified redneck who's obsessed with the power of language to unlock what he calls the breath of humanity. So in this show, we talk about how to use your stories to change your reality and how they do currently change your reality, so why not do that intentionally? He has mechanisms and he shares mechanisms for removing certain words that cause friction and conflict in your inner world, and of course that manifests in your outer world. And because he's an old friend, we're very weird on this episode and a little irreverent, so if you're here for that too, I think you'll like this episode. And finally, if you're feeling inclined, leaving me a rating and review would be amazing. Be amazing. All right, enjoy the show. Mark England. Howdy. Let's have a conversation. Since we're here. I have 8,000 post-it notes ready to be scribbled on. It's a lot of post-it notes. So for a long time, listeners of the show, you'll recognize this sultry voice. You won't recognize his outfit because last time we chatted, actually, it was audio only. But you were in an epic tracksuit tracksuit yeah do you still do the tracksuits oh yeah i was talking to so level two group nine for our certifications we had class yesterday and it was a second class two out of ten and i told them to go ahead do not wait go ahead and start looking at tracksuits because all of our level two students graduate in tracksuits and we've got 150, 165 level two students so far. And they all have, yeah, the, tra- the tracksuit thing's alive and well. Great. What do your level one students graduate in? Nothing. Savages. They graduate as <laughs> them. And um, I christen them with the bling. Yes. I don't know what that is. So, shall I? Yeah. For any of you listening to the podcast version, I have a YouTube version now, and Mark is taking off his clothes. No, <laughs> it's <I'm> awkward. <laughs> Your YouTube. <laughs> so, shout out to William Arthur. William Arthur Jewelry. I had to make the AK-47 piece first. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the abracadabra piece. Um, and I take, so it's, it's the pen and the sword. It's my version of the pen and the sword. And if we want to get mm. all America about it, it's 1A and 2A of the Constitution. Right of free speech, right to bear arms. And I will take these and put these up in the, uh, jam them right up there near the, the, the camera and give them the magic blessing of, and congratulations. 
oh, uh, for, for graduating. And Congratulations, you're now an American citizen. Congratulations, you're now an officially certified and lifted level one coach, which is not easy to do for a variety of reasons. Um, variety of very good reasons. Yeah, so the um, these are both made by William Author. Okay, custom pieces. Took months to make. And um, yeah, garnets, solid silver with garnets. And then I bought a buddy of mine, a uh, who's a combat vet from the first Iraq war, the 50 cal gunner on an Amtrak. And I bought him a shirt back in the day with a AK-47 on it and just said, let's party. And he thought <laughs> it was the funniest thing. So, and he wore it all over the place. So I had that engraved. That's sweet. Let's party on the back. Shout out to Glenn Childers. And then this is my abracadabra piece. So same thing, same guy, same, same jeweler. Silver, garnets, and then a lived bitch engraved on the back. What else does it say? In Rick James' voice. Oh, God. In Rick I James' live, bitch. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well. There's a whole story about that if you want it at some point in time. It would make sense to give you an intro at this point because people are like, what is even happening right now? No, Who no, are you going to intro me like we were talking about earlier or? Do I, yeah, do I so this is my it's guess. it's insulting if you do it. It's funny if I do it. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll do hey, it. Hey, everybody, this is Mark England. He's a, guy, he's a um, former PE student. PE student? A former elementary school PE teacher. He's a man of mediocre intelligence um, and with a handful of MMA fights. So, so please take that into consideration when you listen to him talk about the power and the mechanism right. of words and stories. He's been hit in the head so many times. Ma majorly concussed. Majorly concussed and loving it. He's here. He's ready to I share his story. <laughs> and the thing about Mark <laughs> is that he's embraced his simple nature. Yeah, I have. I and know. so he has focused literally on one thing his entire life, mm -hmm. which is words and My, stories. Yeah, for the past 16 years, I've, I know it's a turned 16 January 17th. It's an impressive beard for a 17 year old. Right. Yeah. Metabolic age of? 16, yeah. Who, who knows? I don't even want to know. <laughs> don't. I'm not getting that tested. Nope. I don't want to know. <laughs> no. Um, great. So, maturity uh, age of? 11. 11. Career age of 16, which in career years is a lot. Yeah. It's a it, lot. It actually, it actually is. Yeah. And, and in coaching years, it's a, it's a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. There are not many people that have been coaching for 16 years especially in the mindset space Ex exclusively it's the only thing I've done it's just words and stories hey what you got got a problem give me a pen and a piece of paper write it down yeah. stare at our words so all these bad jokes aside I've got great jokes you have some good jokes some great jokes some I, I dad think jokes all of them are fantastic Mark is sitting here because he is doing his Texas tirade a his own mini tour visiting this beautiful state that I just moved into, which thank you, Texas, for acknowledging. Yeah, thank um, you, Texas. Yeah. Shout <laughs> out to Texas. Acknowledging me. <laughs> so Mark is sitting here because he is one of these people that has really changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. In a great way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I told some of this story in the first show that you were on, which has the most views of all the shows that I've done. Seriously. Which is depressing in a way because the audio quality was so bad 
in that episode. I don't know if you were underwater or Zoom back in the day was not amazing. Now we live in the future. I could have been slurring my words. We were drinking. And we were drinking. So I had this theory that (laughs) I would love to drink with my guests to have an old school symposium type of situation. Most people don't like to drink before noon, and that's typically when we record. (laughs) Mark, (laughs) I swear he knows words very well. There's a reason why he said that. (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, you've absolutely changed the trajectory of my life in amazing ways. So thank you very much. And I'm really happy to have you at my house. Yeah, likewise. And to do this in person. Yeah, this is very fun. yeah, the Texas tirade is, um, I drove down here from Virginia, and I left the lake house, which you've been to, last Wednesday, and I got on the other side of Nashville on that Wednesday, and then the Thursday, um, got to Hot Springs, Arkansas, which I highly recommend going to. One, mm. Hot Springs are, they're fun, they're therapeutic, and, and all the good magical things, and then this particular place, <clears throat> it's got a very cool story to it. So Hot Springs, it was a, it was a coin toss between Hot Springs, Hot Springs and Vegas um, for the gangsters in Chicago. Who, where are we going to create our gambling mecca? And Vegas won. And Lucky Luciano and Al Capone, they all would come down to Hot Springs. And there were gorgeous architecture, bathhouses and... And it's speakeasies and tunnels, and it's it, it's got this spooky, cool vibe to it. And it's a small town. And then I stopped there, two nights there. I was on my bucket list for 15 years. Mm. And then down to Dallas, hung out with Coach Clint, watched some fights, um, watched Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield strangle Jessica Andrade. So she's the new up-and-comer. She's the new face for the 125-pound um, women's division in the UFC. She's a gangster, 23 years old. And um, and then came down here from there. So I've got, I did a, uh, the Will You Survive This Podcast podcast mm-hmm. this morning, which is the Sheepdog Response, Sheepdog Tactical, Tim Kennedy's show. Tim wasn't there. He was out doing Tim Kennedy things. That's it, literally what they said. Um, and did the show with Jeff Gonzalez, former Navy SEAL. It was cool. Stuck around and did a jiu-jitsu class with those guys. And I've done 20 jiu-jitsu classes in the past 20 years. Um, I, used to, I used to roll a decent amount, but like late 90s, early 2000s. So that was really cool. Um, went to Barton Springs, splashed around. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and I'm here with you talking. It was a beautiful day. It really was. It really, really was. Um, yeah. And got a workshop in San Antonio tomorrow night, and then a workshop in Austin Thursday night. So Cal Callahan's <clears throat> podcast Friday, and then the why thing keeps going. in the world would anyone want you to speak at their establishment? You might be wondering. Yeah. Not you. You might not be wondering yeah, that, I'm but somebody else might why. be wondering that. <laughs> so before we get into that, a couple of bits of housekeeping, as they say. I wanted to bring back the soft talk drinking game. It's 8 8 p.m. It's a reasonable time to do this. And we also have some delicious June shines with charcoal in them. There's charcoal in it. (laughs) Right? So you know it's good for you. It's basically health food. And um, 
I also had another rule before you get into explaining what the soft talk drinking game is, which there's a point to this, I promise. This isn't just you watching our endless ramblings of two friends that are just catching up. Um, I also didn't want to hear any stories I've heard from Mark before because he's a master storyteller. And one of the things that comes along with that is you get really good at telling the right stories. And so I'm challenging Mark to tell stories that he may not have practiced before. And I listen to all your stuff, so this might be hard for you. All right, Mark, what are the rules to the soft talk drinking game? You track my soft talk mm-hmm. and call me out on it. And for each soft talk keyword I use, I take a drink. It's not the only time I'm going to take a drink. Okay, I'm going to track your soft talk. And every time you use a think or a might or a maybe or a possibly or a could or a guess or a sort of or a kind of or a possibly or a perhaps or a hope or a try. Yikes. I'm going to tap on the counter and call you out and you drink. Is I feel like a soft? Hell yeah, it is. Okay. I feel like I'm avoiding the conversation. Take out the feel like, dummy. Watch what happens. Would you take us through why we're even doing this? The soft talk drinking game? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because soft talk is a uh, problem for most people. And they're unconscious about their use of these softening words that makes making decisions and taking action and moving things forward in their life somewhere between hard and impossible and it's epidemic and um and it's also a very it's it's this is my 326 podcast that i've gone on talking about this one thing which is the words and stories and how they influence how our words influence us for better and for worse if we put it into one sentence that's what i've done 326 times recorded and uh, soft talk, so I get asked a lot, what do we do, where do we start? And it's soft talk. I talk about well, all the other stuff. Okay? What do you mean though? Like who's asking you, what do we do? Like, what problem are they Podcast trying to solve? They, they, want, they, want they want a, um, a gift for their audience at the end and, and something practical that they can do. What do, we can, what do we do about this whole victim mentality thing? And th- that answer is soft talk. Um, because it's, it's, there's a handful of words. It's very easy to build your awareness, my awareness about soft talk, and then very easy to practice taking it out of your language because this is just that simple. You take it out. You take out the guess from the text message. I guess I might want to do that. And you tell them either you do or you don't. Okay, And then that frees up a lot of mental real estate for both you and the person and the thing, something else can happen. You know, maybe you do go there. Maybe you don't. Okay. You don't waste your time thinking about deciding because mm. that's terrifying. My favorite quote about soft talk is from Malmodius. He's not referencing soft talk, but he's referencing the outcome of it. He said, I prefer the, f- the, the fear of making the wrong decision to the terror of indecision. When someone uses thinks and mights and maybes and coulds and shoulds and uh, guesses and uh, uh, hopefullys and kind ofs and sort ofs, they create this soft uh, energy that, that it's it's really hard to. 
get things done. It's hard to inspire people. It's hard to inspire yourself. It's hard to tell a good story that way. It's hard to ask a girl out on a date like that. Give me an example of that. Has anyone ever said something along the lines of, I think I might, uh, or let's just go, we'll put we in there, uh, or you, um, do you think you maybe might want to go out on a date with me one day, perhaps? Yuck. How'd that go? (laughs) You just did it. And I've done that at least 25 times in workshops to illustrate the point. And this, there's, there, it's, it's also funny, too. There's something funny about the soft talk. And it's also, it gets, r- it gets real real when I ask three women to come up. And I line them up and I say, I'm going to say one sentence. And I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to m- move your body in a way that these words make you feel. Because guess what? Our words influence our posture, our physicality, how we move our body, uh, and a lot of times unconsciously. And I'll, I'll say that. I, I think I might want to take you out on a date one day, perhaps. Something along those lines. Ask them out with a bunch of soft talk in there. Inevitably, they just like oh, recoil and like move away. And, and, um, and then everybody go, and, and most women have had that experience of asking, being asked out like that. Guess what? I've asked women out like that before. It didn't go so well. Um, yeah. So that's, and it's, 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 it, I might be avoiding this, the, the conversation with them. I take out the might, I am avoiding the conversation. Now I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. Mm. I'm owning what I'm doing. Okay, this is a way, and, and it, gets, it gets very deep because then it, then it forces the issue about action. And now that I've made the decision that, yes, I am avoiding the conversation, am I going to keep doing that? Okay. Or am I going to have the conversation? Either way, I'm owning what my options are as opposed to keeping this thing at finger's length and kicking the thing down the can. And, 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 and it's even better and worse than that. Or, or it, it gets, it's better and worse. So when someone, this is the whole identification thing, the identity thing. When someone practices, and this goes for well, everything, when someone practices using, unbeknownst to them, soft talk, because when people learn about it, most of the time they prefer using solid talk because they feel better, they feel more confident, they're, they're, um, they, it's way easier for them to make things happen. When someone uses a lot of soft talk, they are um, uh, creating a lot of indecision. And if they continue to create a lot of indecision, they inevitably identify themselves as indecisive. And when someone identifies themselves as something, in this case, indecisive, they get way better at being indecisive. Once, once the person identifies themselves as unlovable, then, then their unlovability hockey sticks in their opinion, in their, in their, in their mind, in their story. When someone... Um, identifies themselves as, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm really good at showing up. When someone shows up enough times to where they now have the evidence that I, I do this a lot and I'm good at doing this, and they say, I, I'm really good at showing up, they get better at showing up. So whatever we identify ourselves as, we get better at. You know, there's, you know, I, I fuck everything up, right? Mm. When someone says that to themselves and it lands lands they're just they're about to get better at doing that uh or you know i'm 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 really good at managing my time 
when someone identifies themselves as that, they get better at managing their time or their finances or whatever it is. So, and, and I am the most non-book recommended motherfucker. And I recommend this book, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, because he goes into, it's a very easy, fun read, um, and he goes into a lot of the neuroscience about what happens when people identify themselves. The power of identity, that's what we're talking about. And what is identity? I'm on a rant. Hold on. I got a black belt hold on, in hold rants on. and tangents. I want to talk about identities really quick. Yeah. Um, but wait, where were you going? Just so I can bring us back. You mindset. Mindset. All right. Um, mindset. What is it? So what is it? I want to go it, back to identities because saying that I just fuck things up or I'm just a bad mom or something mm-hmm. like that. There is. Or I'm a fun dad. I mean, it goes both ways. Well, let's talk about the negative stuff right now. Um, there is a great cathartic experience that happens when you admit to something that you are, but in the system that you teach, there's also a way to deal with that, right? Because we can't be just avoiding, like, yeah, maybe you are bad at math, maybe you are a bad mom, but right now I am being a bad mom or something. Like, is there something that doesn't just bypass the issue just, I caught myself. So, hold up, soft talk. Hold up. Wait a minute. If I want to acknowledge a soft word and use it intentionally, I'm going to put my finger up. Cool. Do that. I do that. Great. I think that's a great idea. Fantastic. What are your thoughts on what I just said about acknowledging an actual moment in your life and acknowledging your feelings around how you feel and not making it part of your identity? Well, um, we're a big fan of picking up the pen and paper and getting the story on paper. So... One, you can take a look at the words and um, to improve your breathing about the thing. So, yeah, for sure, own what you're doing and also know why you got there. Because why you got there, there's a story that got you there. And that story is made up of words. And the, the, the current definition of identity, Webster's not mine. The fact of being who or what a person is. Okay. That one was real easy. That was a layup. So I, I dispelled that, which means to cast out, on stage, TEDx, in front of 1,800 people. And I said, raise your hand if you see yourself any differently now than when you did, than how you did when you were five. And it's such a ridiculous thing to say. Everybody just started laughing. Okay, Of course they do. Why? Because... Identity is a, it's, it's, not, it's not the fact of being who or what a person is. It's not fixed in that sense. And, and it's this, our identity, our mindset is a story. It's the story that we tell ourselves, and it's ongoing. Let me guess, you had some thoughts today. I did. Let me guess, you had some thoughts yesterday. I did. Let me guess, you told yourself a story today mm-hmm. about some things. So did I. Let me guess, you told yourself some stories about stuff yesterday. Yeah. That's called participating. Most people, due to a lack of education about, one, the fact that they are participating in the story that they tell themselves, and then how they're doing that, they get tricked into being innocent bystanders in their life. They're, 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 they're NPCs, non-playable characters. They're, they're spectators in the stands. And, um, and if someone, you know, being a bad mom, okay, great. If that's the case, um, 
when were you that? Okay, because there's very likely evidence that you were a good mom as well. So in, instead of having the, just say a handful of experience, which you, the general you, used to create a blanket identification of yourself, you know, uh, you've got a prosecuting attorney in your head, also known as that shit-talking story or shit-talking voice that's, that's relentlessly showing you all the fails, because most people do. Remember when that happened? Remember when you messed that up? Remember when they, didn't, they weren't there for you? Remember all that? It's just, it's just show, and a lot of it's the same stuff over and over again. It's not like we, sh- we see that negative story once, and then it's gone forever. No, it's, just, it's this relentless repetition of, of the fails. Um, it's, it's, like a, it's like a prosecuting attorney that will never stop. Okay? Um, well, guess what? You, one, you can turn the volume down on that. Give me a pen and paper, and I'll prove it every time. When someone is like, yeah, okay, I do want to turn this down. If someone wants their victim-centric story, uh, uh, an email from God and an act of Congress is not going to change that, right? And and then also, what about the, you know, other times that you were a great mom and you showed up? And let me hear about those too. Pick up the pen and write those stories down. And so you present you you. Uh, Build a case for yourself. Gather evidence. Present the evidence. And it needs to be written down in detail, specific events, conversationally written out. Eric, more, the more detailed, the better. Presenting evidence and make a case for yourself that you are good enough. And, um, yeah, because people, people have the, the wins to celebrate, too. And, you know, most people are so tremendously underwritten. And I'm not talking about insurance. I think that was a good joke. I'm, I'm <laughs> full of them. You wait, you can't tell the jokes from earlier? No. Um, all right, moving on. <laughs> Shut me down. <laughs> Damn. It's my show. I get to do whatever I want. So why do you believe that people have such a propensity to highlight their inner shit talker and to highlight those those moments where they didn't show up. Where did that come from? Like, dig deep here. I want to know How where we just stay real shallow. We got we have a glitch in our language. We have a glitch in our language, and the way the English language. My a buddy of mine. I had a good 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 friend on Kosamoy when I was living there years ago. That's starting to get a long time ago. He's an Ayurvedic doctor. And um, I was doing this work professionally full time, and, and he would go, you, you know, the English language is a slave language. And on purpose, I wouldn't ask anything more. It's like I'm—I mm. I knew he was right. Just not—not—not not, not like I can Google, hey, the English language is a slave language, and something smarter than my mind said yes to that and I was like all right I'm going to I'm going to figure this out or or I'm going to elaborate on that statement and um the way the english language is used almost exclusively it is and it comes down to how the words are put together which is an education issue 
Um, most people, they have zero education about how to put their words together in a way that keeps the drama low, dismantles the victim mentality, unlocks their breath, builds them up, builds themselves up in their imagination, and and helps them feel capable and confident and worthy of, of having a hug. You know, most people's language is doing the exact opposite. Mm. Um, and um, it's the words. It's the words. Have you identified a language that is not a slave language? No, because I only speak English. That's a shame. Yeah. I only speak English. Well, okay, let me back up on that. Um, and let me finish that, that thought process. Or that, that, that land. The way the English language is used almost exclusively today, and it, it is externalized, it is vague, and it is inflammatory. And it scripts in all of its glory, Baskin-Robbins, 31 flavors, it's got nothing, I put that there, on the victim mentality, how many flavors of pain the victim mentality has. Um, and that's why people have a tendency to, one, focus on the negative events, magnify them in their imagination, enhance the feelings of the fail, and then get addicted to it. That's called Fuxville. I lived in Ecuador for 18 months. I romanticized about renting a house in the middle of nowhere and writing a book, and I did. Uh, fun little backstory. Uh, my best friend from Thailand, well, there was two. There was Adam, who's my business partner now, and then, then um, Josh Darnbaugh, also known as Big Sexy or Fat Sexy, depending on who's asking. The most dangerous fat guy in the world. Why? Because he is. He's the, the, the 6'1", um, 330 pounds. He was the former multiple-time Danish Shotokan heavyweight champion. Mm. Okay, His head is the size of a cinder block. Cool. And he's got this huge gut. And he's just it, massive legs. And that dude can do it. The real Kung Fu Panda. He can do spinning back kicks uh, off of, he can kick cans off your head, front, frontwards, backwards. It, it makes no sense, okay? And he moved from Thailand in 2011 because he thought 2012, the earth was going to crack in half, and, you know, the floods and, and, and birds and attacking and Could have gi happened. Giraffes, go giraffes gone wild. And um, yeah, so chaos. So he moved to Vilcabamba, Ecuador. And um, he goes, dude, this place is rad. You should come. So I did. And I lived there for 18 months. And I wrote, at the time, this was before vocabulary was vocabulary. And this thing that we're doing now was called in the way that we're doing, you know, we're better at it now, of course, you know, 10 years later. Um, it was called the Empowered Language Systems. And I, I went there with the intent purpose of writing a book, which I did in one sense. It turned into a, an, an e-book 
and a, a workbook that I was selling on my website. And um, I, I did a bunch of workshops while I was there and a ton of sessions. I've, I've, that's my MO, that's been my MO for a long time. Go somewhere, do some workshops, build a clientele base, and do a bunch of sessions, whether it's London or Istanbul or uh, Bangkok, Koh Samui, did that in Australia, did it in LA, did it in Costa Rica, did it down in Ecuador. So we're still on the part of the conversation about is this the only language that, that is doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I befriended a UN translator down in Ecuador. Down in Ecuador, Sam. Sam and Bernardo. She was Ecuadorian. He was American. And this guy, it, it, it was it was it was really just a weird, interesting side note. He was, he was the smoothest translator I've, and I've ever seen. And I've worked with a number of translators in different languages, whether it's Turkish or uh, Thai or mm. um, a number, of, a, a handful of different people in, in Spanish. Um, I think anything else. Not that I, uh, and he would go into a trance and he would translate what I was saying fluently, verbatim. A, a half second, so I would talk, and he would, and he's like, "I just want you to speak a little bit, like, like turn the volume down a little bit, and do everything the same." And he would translate, and we did ten workshops for people down in Ecuador, Spanish speaking, mm-hmm. and the which you're familiar with, the three pillars of conflict language: projections, negations, and soft talk. They fit perfectly. They fit perfectly, as in the main language patterns that script people's victim mentalities in Spanish. And then let's back up, because guess what? There's only so many ways I can piss myself off in Cantonese. There's only so many ways I can create the victim mentality in French. There's only so many ways I can play the blame game in German. And we're nailing this English thing, knocking it out of the park in the way that we are. What do you mean? What do I mean about what? Like, what are we knocking out of the park? Meaning, like, we're the worst we're, at all this no, soft talk. No, we're mapping. Stuff? We're talking about and lifted. Oh, we're we're, hmm. we're mapping how, and our shit's the best. There, I said it, and take it with a grain of salt because I'm one of the co-founders. Um, as far as ease of use, um, uh, practicality, simplicity, and whatever the X factor is, we got 19 of them. Um, we've done a fantastic job of creating a method to help people dismantle the victim mentality and build the architect mentality or the hero mentality using their words, using a pen. Um, it's what we do. We certify coaches in how to do this, and we also put a tremendous amount of content out open to the public for free for a couple of reasons. One, it creates the good juju. Okay. Two, we're teachers to the core. Three, I'll put our stuff up against anything out there. Okay. So here's what we're doing. What are you doing? All right. And um, once we finish, and we've got that app. Got I like the app, the app. The app in the app store. App's cool. The app is very cool. Great job, Eric Blackwell and our app team. They've been at it for two years. Um, in fact, actually, the last time I saw you, 
you guys were having meetings about the app. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I asked them because we, we created a different a, a different LLC for it. Mm. And they came in with sweat equity and the whole thing. We put a little bit of money in there. And, and you know, I asked him in October because um, he came out to the, the lake house. And on the way to the airport, I was like, they've been doing it for two years. I was like, dude, what would that cost off the rack? The amount of work y'all are done, you've, you've done. A mil five. A mil five for what's what? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not surprised. The reason I'm why I either. didn't have a, a facial expression. I'm sorry about that, by the way. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not surprised because when you that's what do I was saying. I was good thinking, work, yeah. Of course, things yeah. work out. Yeah, it's the app is in the app store. If you got an mm-hmm. iPhone, it's still in beta in the sense, but not in the sense. It's still in beta and. Um, We've got the perfect amount of number or the, the amount of users that he wants to test the technology. It's a it's there's voice recording and it'll mm-hmm. map your your words for you and it's really cool. And guess what we do after English? We're gonna pick another language and we're go we're we're gonna go in there and we're gonna hire some some prof, uh, uh, what's the word linguists not linguists but just we're People, PhDs oh that exactly, right? That know the, I don't even know what a past participle is and I'm spearheading this thing. That they know the words of, Yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. What, what are they called? I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah, I know, and neither am I. Um, but, and we're going to create teams for Spanish. We're gonna create teams for German. We're gonna create teams for Cantonese. We're going to create teams for Mandarin, teams for Thai, teams for uh, Laotian, teams for you name it. You're playing a really dangerous game right now. I know I am. Because you're changing I'm, the I'm, way people talk. I, I'm giving them options. There's a very different, there's a big difference between changing the way people talk and giving them options. I'm giving them the ability to choose. I'm giving them the ability to change their words. I'm helping them learn more about how their words influence them for better and for worse and that they've got options. And the, the end result of this thing is to unlock the breath of humanity. Cause yeah. that's that, that now that's a goal. That's an interesting thing to take a shot at. Unlock the collective breath of humanity. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to wake up and take a swing at something, why not that? Because most humanity is under the spell of separation. They're in their stress response about God knows what the person across the street or that thing that happened 19 years ago or what they're scared of maybe possibly happening in 10 years if their foot falls off and they lose their job and no one pays attention to them and then they live under a, a, a bridge and you know what if the bad shit. And, and it's, there's so many different ways to hijack our imagination and, and create excess tension and rigidity in the body and trap the breath in the chest. And then we're just, you're just screwed. If you have no other way to use your words, you're just going to get more of those similar stories over and over again until you're dead. And that sucks. It, it's more than, it more than sucks. It's, that's existentially terrifying. So, and then, then me being the simple curious guy that I am, what happens if we unlock that breath? What if we dismantle the collective victim mentality of, humanity and we can do that in five generations could do it in three do it in five or enough 
said this, say, saying this a, a, another way, um, enough of people to, so where we flip the opinion about the victim mentality. I'm, I'm here to make the victim mentality approximately as cool as littering. Because, and when that happens, <laughs> everybody wins. I really like that. That's such a great analogy. There was a time where you could throw all of your crap out the window and no one would blink an eye. Yeah, not now. No, no. Thank no. goodness. Uh, I'm going to say it again. The collective, ven- men- the, 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 the victim mentality I'm going to make, I'm not, I'm not here to do I'm going to do this. I'm going to make playing the victim relentlessly and even on purpose approximately as cool as littering. Who are your biggest opponents in your work here? Well, um, on a macro scale, the multitude of industries that have built themselves on the shoulders, the backs of people's victim mentalities. Who, you know, the news is there to scare you the shit out of you. They're not there to, you know, tell you how to plant a garden and you know. Uh, be a better listener and breathe better. No, they're they're, they're they're to scare the hell out of you about things, big picture stuff that you've got little to no input on, and then sell you stuff in between. It's called commercials. Yeah, them. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's a bumper sticker. You know, what would happen if the the, the Defense Department had um, had to hold a bake sale to. Sounds like a long bumper sticker. Uh, there are a lot of industries that are um, committed to helping people stay stressed. There are a lot of industries that are that are committed to uh, keeping people stressed and sick and um, scared. And also known as keeping the breath trapped in the chest, and that's just—it's just so stupid. It's so—it's so boring. It's so boring, really. Really, is that what you're gonna do? You're, is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna wake up and do that for some money? Yeah. These um, industries so are made up of people who sure. are stressed and yeah. are victim to their and own. That's system that's the second. Too. That's the second part of my answer to that so who's who's the biggest attractor or who's the biggest uh, impediment to this thing an uh, an individual person who's addicted to their problems who's addicted to their victim mentality is this a good time i bet it is for me to recite for the umpteenth time i did it twice this morning on the podcast with the navy seal i was on over at uh um Sheepdog response. Shout out to Jeff Gonzalez and, and Tim Kennedy. The, the the victim. Shall I re- recite the definition? Yes, please. I believe I did it on the last one, and I'm doing it on this one. It's repetition of this is valuable. If you have a pen and a piece of paper, write this down because I've been relentlessly talking about this for the past ten years. I've been talking about 
and giving con- uh, talking about as in reciting the definition of the victim mentality and giving context to the conversation, which we've done already in this in this talk, specifically about soft talk, this podcast, for the past 10 years. And I've seen a lot of people's face light up when they hear the definition of the victim mentality. Okay. And they get even more out of it when they write it down. 30, 50, 80. We remember 30% of what we read, 30%, excuse me, 30% of what we hear, 50% of what we write, 80% of what we teach. Okay. So if you write this down, you get another 20% return on investment for your time listening to the Shadow Work Library. And if you turn around and, and share this information with someone, you're now in the 80 percentile. Okay, also sharing, teach the same thing. So if you write this down, you're now in a very exclusive club. Most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality, much less written it down. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends, it's a tendency, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. That second sentence, right between the eyes, right where it belongs. The victim mentality depends It has to have a habitual thought process. Habitual accurately implies duration and addiction. And then then there's the, the words, thought process. What do you mean by thought process? I mean certain words put together in certain ways and repeated over and over and over again. And then that last word, uh, attributions, you know what that is? That's called characteristics. Let's just focus on the main one, breathing. When someone's breath is trapped in their chest and they go navigate their day, it's really easy to take things personal. When someone's breath is trapped in their chest, it's really hard for them to be a good listener. When some, it's called amygdala hijack. Look it up. When someone's breath is trapped in their chest, it's, it's really easy to uh, assign people horns, make them into the villain. Every victim, you have to have a villain. If you're a victim, you have to have a villain. And um, most people know somebody. I, I very f- frequently, I'll recite that definition and then ask somebody or ask the, the group, I'm going to do this tomorrow night and then Thursday night, raise your hand if you know someone who's, a, who's, who's got an entrenched, inflamed dumpster fire of a victim mentality. Most people raise their hand right off the bat, and I ask them, what's their life like? And they'll say, oh, God, it's just this. And like, oh, God, everything's a problem. They've always got somebody to blame and, and all this stuff. And, and, then, and then I'm like, what's it like being around them? They, you know, in some form or fashion, they still say the same thing. It's draining. It's draining. And then I keep keep going because I got the I got the knife in there. I might as well twist it. You ever been you ever been on a a, a, a team with one of those people? You ever been on a team with one of those people, like a professional team? You ever had them in, in a group in an office? 
and people raise their hand. And I'm like, what, what's that like? And it's just, it just, they say the same thing. It just makes stuff so much worse. And guess what? That victim mentality is built from words back to that. I have a victim person on my team, my internal team. Most people do. Now, how much, how much mental real estate does that person take up? That's the question. And how easy is it for you to turn the volume down on that person, that voice? That's the question. Most people are sitting ducks. They're, they're defenseless to that voice in their head. And uh, the name of the game is not to extinguish that voice. I haven't done that, nor do I care to do so. And Beautiful. I tried. Trust me, I tried. I tried to meditate it out. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to fast it out. Mm. I tried to... Charcoal it out. Uh, there's charcoal in that. I tried <laughs> to take all the, the supplements. Okay, I tried to... Um, I took a lot of the, 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 the magical bubbling plant medicines to try to, I thought that I could extinguish that voice and that I needed to in order to be successful. You know what I know now that I've wised up and we tell our coaches this, just turn the fucking volume down on it. And that's actually easy to do. One, it's easy to do when you have a way to do it. And two, it's, it's doubly easy to do when you know that's all you need to do. You know how much time I've saved myself because I, I listen to my, I think about my thinking. Alan Watts said it. He said, when you learn to think about your thinking, you become alive in a new way. Most people are not thinking about their thinking. They're just thinking. First thing that shows up in their head, of course it's right. It's my own voice in my own head. Let's go with it. What could possibly go wrong? No, learn to think about your thinking. That's what we can, that's another one liner that we can put the entirety of this conversation under the umbrella of. And I, I, I tell the coaches all the time, just here, turn the volume down on the victim mentality. Take it from this big thing that's taken up the, the entirety of your mental real estate and shrink it down and move it over there. That's it. And um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I used to think I had to be perfect before I could be successful. And that's so not the case. You know how much time I've saved myself? Uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go with my words. Breath unlocks. Wow. And that took 30 seconds. And before I knew how to do that, as in, they never let me live my own life. And I hear the words and I feel the feelings. I'm like, I take out the they and I put in the I. And now it's me and me. I took them out of the picture. Okay. I've saved myself weekends. Like, you, just, you just shut the thing down. And, and, and that's a skill. You didn't learn that in high school. I didn't learn that in high school. I've got a degree in education. I've got a master's degree in education. I didn't learn about how to put my words together save time and money and resources. Um, uh, I didn't learn that in high school. <laughs> I didn't learn that in high school. 
I learned that in college. I, I learned traditional grammar, spelling, and definitions, which was really was not that interesting to me. This, on the other hand, is. It's beyond interesting. It's fascinating. Before we sat down, we were talking about San Pedro and Third Street, and you were saying, this is in Los Angeles, and you were saying that this was one of the only places that you felt mm -hmm. physically or you you were scared for your health or something like mm -hmm. that not my life i my would health. like for you to explain what it's like on san pedro and third and also what would World you War do Z. there to fix that oh my lord <sighs> thanks for the easy questions you're welcome um I lived in Thailand for a decade. Still sounds weird to say that. Lived in Ecuador for a year and a half. My passport before this COVID thing, it used to, it looked like a bomb went off in it. I had to get extra stuff sewn in there because in some sketchball border towns in, on the Mekong River, in, in, are you in Laos? Are you in, in Cambodia? Uh, uh, nobody knows. Right, mm -hmm. it's like it's like that, and I felt fine there. I felt driving through that, and it's not just that corner; it's a, a number of corners now. I haven't been back there in three years. I can only imagine after lockdowns, all that stuff, because that that put a lot of people on the street. I can only imagine. So driving through there, it looks like um, something out of a zombie apocalypse movie. I was a. They've got they've got the Black Plague down there. It's a true story. They've got typhoid down there. They've got cholera down there. They've got third world medieval pre-industrial squalor diseases. Yeah, we're talking down. about um, Skid Row in L.A. It's. It's the scariest place I've ever been in my entire life. And I, I was only in there driving through there in the morning. Mm. Nine, eight, nine, ten. Mm -hmm. There's a boxing, a kickboxing gym I used to go to over there. And uh, what was the name of it? It doesn't matter. Um, what would I do to fix that? Well, I want to say I lived could there for a month over That's, the summer. That just, she told me that 30 minutes, but 10 minutes before we started. And I, I said it three or four times. I was like, you lived at San mm. Pedro and Third? So it, it is horrifying. It was horrifying. It was a month where I started I'm to gonna stereotype. I'm going to get myself canceled with the answer. I started to stereotype people. I was becoming a version of myself that I did not like. I was afraid of people. Somebody be walking across the street and I'd be making all these judgments. And my car got broken into twice. That's, I'm surprised it didn't get broken into 202 times. But the amount of compassion... Did you ever get into soft white underbelly? I, I listened to that right after I left. They're filming those down at San Pedro and 3rd. Yeah, that's how I found out about it. Mark Lieja, Liesha, Leitio. In fact, the aesthetic of this YouTube channel is inspired by him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You want to see who's down on San... P and they're not the worst by any stretch of the imagination going on. Those are like the people that are... That's like the top tier people down there that get in front of the camera. The They're, they're, they're people that are so blown out from... Okay, what would I do? What would I do to stop that? Let's, let's start with the fentanyl. 
Let's start with the fentanyl. Where's that shit coming from? Everybody knows where it's coming from. It's coming from China. It's coming from China. What can we do about that? We can do a lot about that. And then how's it getting in the country? That's an interesting question. And then as far as some of those some of those some of those people down there, um, I'm not qualified to say what could fix them if they wanted to be fixed. Okay, no, I am qualified to say that because that's common sense and it's simple. Well, let's workshop this. Let's say that we're at. We're not going to unpack it, though, are we? Please. No, no. I would never unpack anything. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Let's say we're at uh, the soup kitchen or whatever they call it, right? Or the place where they give out socks and stuff. And you have undivided attention, like in order to get these socks, in order to get this food. Maybe you're not. Maybe. You're not asking for this help. However, it's going to be told to you and your reward for listening is this thing that you'd like. What would you say to them to change something? I am fearless when it comes to going into a story with someone who wants to go in there. Okay. And the one time I backed out of doing a workshop was with people like we're talking about in the situation, the states that we're talking about. Um, in Richmond, got some people, some friends that run, um, I'll keep the names out of it, but they, uh, they provide help to communities of that nature and she like addicts homeless Mm -hmm. majorly like years and years and years and years and years of drug abuse um and i brought her a couple i brought her and myself a cup of coffee down to this place where she this new place she was working at and i got in there and i go i I'm out of my element. Mm. And it's good to know. It's good to know where your boundaries are with stuff like that. I was like, I'm, this is beyond my level of expertise. This is, this is profoundly out. I am out of my depth. And so as far as the long-standing effects of hard drugs are concerned people can get themselves out of that and they can rebuild their life we're talking like 10 years on fentanyl Mm -hmm. 10 years on car fentanyl even though car fentanyl hasn't been around that long stuff like that you've seen that it 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 melts people's minds it it turns them into actual zombies i don't know what i don't know what to do with that give me somebody who's got some procrastination issues and (laughs) of fear of not being good enough and they want out and I'll do that all day long because that is what I do all day long that's a whole other thing that's a whole other thing the the victim mentality is what gets people there a lot of times I lived in in Venice uh, for a year and 
almost every day I would go on a walk. And I would listen to what the homeless people were saying. Because they, they were everywhere five years ago. I can only imagine now. And the projections, the, 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 it was inflamed stories to the umpteenth degree where people wouldn't get, want to get in five feet of their psychogeography. To use a Jordan Peterson word, that's not my word, I'm not smart like that. Psychogeography. And what seems to be the most repellent thing based on what I saw in people that were homeless and were extra ex, exercised, ex, ex, um, ex, not ex, excommunicated. It was they would yell. They would yell at the top of their lungs. You rah 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 rah, and they would just. It would be this. You saw that down there. It would be this yeah. constant thing. So it's it's it is projection central. Yelled. Turned the volume up. Wait, that's the most repellent wow, language, and it just it it. No one can get anywhere near that, or wants to get anywhere near that. So that's that's the essentially the final straw of the victim mentality until the person is just dead. You know that is remarkable to hear, actually, because that was one of the things that I experienced was all this yelling, so much yelling, and I was imagining you're saying this is the final destination before it's, their body yeah. takes over. It's and just yeah, what's after that? I don't. You're, well, you're gonna die. In, in the system of shadow work that I subscribe to, we have this repressive and the reactive manifestation of our shadows, of our negative whatevers. And the reactive manifestation, and people tend to one polarity or the other, the reactive one is to externalize your problems. It's the projections. And the other one, the repressive one, is to internalize them. Not in the healthy way, but in the I'm a bad mom kind of way, right? Those people, their final destination is killing themselves. So now when we're on skid row, when we get to that type of final destination, man, this feels weird to say, it's a, a community of reactive types. They're the survivors in a way, but they're a shell of themselves, whereas the repressive types have likely offed themselves already. Man, this is insane to think about. To think that it's the th it's the elephant in the room, the victim mentality is the elephant in the room. Take it or leave it, folks. That's my personal professional opinion. Uh, it it's crack cocaine has got nothing on the addictive nature of the victim mentality and the pervasiveness of the collective addiction of that thing. Um, and that's that is that's. Devastating news and it's fantastic news in the same breath because we can learn about our words. We've you have control, you have input, you have influence in the story that you tell yourself. And the faster that thing goes, also when, when people are yelling, they're mm -hmm. talking really fast. The faster that thing goes, and the louder it gets, the harder it is to control. Well, speaking of Jordan Peterson, I've noticed lately that his breath is up his speech is faster his words are getting something or 
He's stressed the fuck out. Well, he's taking on the giant. And that giant is... He is... Klaus and Schwab also... And his fucking buddies. Lots of projections. Lots of projections from him. And that's the thing. I'm going to get in the gene key search. I don't think you follow that system so much. It's, it's... I'm aware of it. It is too sophisticated for me. The 55th gene key... Is <laughs> <laughs> that was so good? That was so good. I'm like, I'm just this simple redneck over here with a beard talking about soft talk to the 55th gene key. <laughs> Quiet you. Um, yes. Let let the smart one talk. That's hilarious because no, 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 no. You're the one with the master's degree. I have something to confess. Right now, I never graduated. I never graduated. From elementary school? No, I graduated some things. But like, you know. Middle school? College or whatever. High school? I had two classes. You got classes. a high school degree. I got a, yeah, I did. Okay, but then you did graduate. No, you but my confession is times. I said I have graduated, which I haven't from college. But I feel like I have. Is that a soft talk thing? No, I feel Listen, like that's you're in the actual. game. You're doing what you want to. So I, learned, I said this. <laughs> when did I say this? I said this, I, right, on class, class, I said this in class uh, for level two when we started last week, and it's true, I saw my undergrads in business administration, I learned more in one minute when I put my poster up offering my services as a coach slash counselor. Hmm. I learned more about uh, business and going into business for myself, business administration, in one minute when I put my poster up at the spa, January 17th, 2007, next to everybody else's posters who's been there forever, I learned more about me and business in one minute than I did in four and a half years of, of, of an undergrad degree which it was in business administration and it it was what I really got a degree in was beer drinking, tail chasing, and fist fighting. That's what my real degree was in. Are you good my at those under, things? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just had a couple classes to go, but I, I just could not anymore. I was done. However, I took my five years in college and I said I graduated. Anyway... The 50th is chinky. <laughs> What'd you get your degree in? Journalism. Yeah, With an emphasis on this. public relations. Okay. And a minor in uh, comparative world literature. How would your life be different if you had taken those extra three classes? I could have taken two classes and they could have been karate and I would have graduated. But some people took those other classes. I didn't. Feel like a liar. It's the weight I've been carrying. All right, so dude, fifty with Gene Key. Let me just say this really quick. Sorry, just just is one of my toxic. It's not. It's not soft talk. It's pressure language. Oh. If I could just fill in the blank. If I could. If I could just be successful. If I could just stay committed. There we go. If I could. Let's play the language. Mm-hmm. If I could just stay committed. If I could just stay committed. If Take out the just. If I could stay committed. Oh, hold on, let me back up. If I could just stay committed. Say that. If I could just stay committed. 
How does that feel to say? I can feel it in my solar plexus. What do you feel? Feel judgy. Nice. Shamey. Perfect. If I could just stay committed, take out the just, say the sentence again. If I could stay committed. If I could stay committed. See where the mind goes to? Like she's now she's into solution mode. There now is she's a, in, it's that whole Carol Dweck growth mindset versus fixed mindset. If you have a growth, if you, if you have a fixed mindset, that means you have a fixed language. If you have a growth mindset, that means you have a fixed language. So Matt, again, mindset, great thing. We're, and we'll finish this language game because we're in the middle of it. Ask somebody what it is. Ask somebody that talks about it a lot, what is it? Do they have a practical, simple definition of it? We do. It's the story you tell yourself about yourself. It's the story you tell yourself. And uh, uh, mindset, it's, it's normally held in this big picture conversation. Okay, it's this thing I know I need to get better at. Uh, and there's that confident looking person over there and I'm over here, whoops, would have been nice. When we add in the words, what words to use less of and why if you want to create confidence, what words to use less of and why if you want to turn the drama down, then mindset becomes practical. As in, in the root word of practical is practice. I can practice using different words. Yay, now I'm in the game. So if I could just stay committed, okay, you took out the just. Say that again. If I could stay committed. Take out the could, put in can. If I can stay committed. Take out the the stay, put in be. If I can. Can be committed. Take out the if. I can be committed. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you practice talking yourself into shit. Let me guess, that feels better than where we started. Yeah, and there was also a divergence in there where I I realized, I reconfirmed that I don't care about being committed to my college degree. If I can just be committed, I kept saying that over and over. And also, I don't care. So it's fun to play with these words. It's so fun to play with words. Your mama told you not to play with your food. Mark England is telling you, play with your words. Mark England is good at a few things. Words, fighting and drinking, and creating community. That's another thing. Way to bring that back. Yeah, you're we, welcome. We talked about that earlier. Good job. Um, accidentally. I, did not, I didn't have any classes on how to create community uh, in college or high school or anything. It, not, and we've got, we have one. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Shout out to all the enlisted coaches. We have 320 coaches in our coaches community. Uh, I've certified them all. Wonderful people. We've had tremendous fortune. It's not luck, it's fortune. It's better than luck. Tremendous fortune attracting some really great people that want to learn more about their words and like I've said numerous times on this show so far, turn down the volume on their victim mentality. And most people that take our certifications, they want to they want to coach. Not everybody. There's a good amount of people that come through and they're like, listen, I want to take a bite out of crime of my own victim mm. mentality and then share this with my kids. 
or just to be a better community a communicator with or just mind. that's pressure language we didn't talk about where this is soft talk gotcha and or or you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a team leader and I want to be a better communicator I want to be better with my words or I just like this stuff come on in we're gonna teach you the Wu-Tang sword style of the enlisted method and um, and I think that anyone that wants to be a leader, that they set out to be a leader, is out of their fucking mind. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to go lead. Trust me, it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. Uh, My advice is to, if you find yourself in that position where people are looking to you for advice and counsel and quote-unquote leadership, do it reluctantly. And that's what Adam Chin and I, as my business partner, we've, that's what we've done. We're like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll do this thing. Um, and I don't see myself as a leader by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher and I'm an entertainer. Mm. And um, part of the reason that, oh, dear God, I'm going to say this. And I, I only say this not because of my personal opinion. I say this because of the um, the outcome of what we have in the in the community. Just based on that, we're good leaders. We're good leaders because we don't want to lead these people. If that makes sense, you know. Um, it just we show up, we do our best, and it's it's. I'm not trying to be elevated at all about anything. I don't want to be. Like, uh, I took myself off social media because, well, it was the right thing to do for a couple of reasons. And one of them is I, I could care less about the shine. I could care less about the shine. I don't, I don't like the spotlight, even though I've been a person of um, I've either been I've mostly dip, I've, I've been in, in the most visible person in, in damn near all the communities I've been in since high school um, so I know what it th- that's about and I don't need that attention to feel good about myself um, and I also know that you know I go out and do the workshops and shake the shake the babies and kiss the hands. I played with those words on purpose. See your community as an ecosystem. We see our community as an ecosystem. Let me take you out of that. I don't know who you are. We see, our community is an ecosystem. <laughs> we and we 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 play well with others. So like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot. There was initially it was a lot of overlap between the. The strong coach and training camp for the soul, and they would do those programs. They would come over and do ours and things. And also, long gaming this thing has helped a lot in my positioning of myself Mm. in the community. I'm doing this thing for 50 years. Okay, a nuke on my forehead that would take me out of the game. Okay, and um, I have it in my calendar. 
did we talk about this on the last one? Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah, um, my last day on the job is January 17th, 2057. I'm going to do this one thing for 50 years because I'm, like I said, I'm disciplined and I'm curious. Those things destroy. Discipline and curiosity smoke motivation and inspiration. Okay? I want to know what it feels like to be in one game for 50 years. I want to see what I can pull off in one lane for 50 years. Like, I'm 16 in. 34 to go, and um, knowing that that I'm going to be doing this for that long, um, it's majorly helped me. That's what I, when I put that in my calendar, that's when everything really took off. Because mm-hmm. I relax, I relaxed into it. I didn't have any questions about what I'm going to do professionally. Okay, um, and and. And so I don't need much from the community, in a sense. I'm there to teach. I get a tremendous amount from it. Okay, uh, I love those people. A lot of them are my best friends now. Yeah, Lifted is amazing. Yeah, community. truly amazing. Yeah, and it, it, the, the thing goes on. We're doing our um, uh, annual Enlifted Coaches gathering, Enlifted Coaches and Extended Family Members gathering in Richmond, Virginia. At um, October thirtieth, yeah, of course you are. Cool. Um, September thirtieth and October first. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. We booked Brandon Powell. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah, Brandon Powell, and myself. We're doing a full day workshop. September thirtieth. It's a Saturday, and there'll be all kinds of stuff on the front end and the back end. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna do its own thing. Um, and that, that is, that that lends to the conversation. What I'm talking about is, is I didn't say this on the last podcast. My mother died when I was 20. She died of cancer. Or depending on my mood, I could say she died of chemo, radiation, and surgeries. Because I saw a definite, there, there was a pattern. Or I could, depending on my mood, I could say um, Johnson and Johnson might have had a hand in that because she used their talcum powder. There was a hundred million dollar class action lawsuit. They knew, they knew that their talcum powder, when women used it, led to ovarian cancer. They settled out. They settled. Look it up. My mother used Johnson and Johnson talcum powder ovarian cancer done and so yeah you got some chills on that 10 years after that 13 yeah 13 years after that I got and we're still in the conversation about community I got access to a quarter of a million dollars from an insurance payout and fortunately I was already in this coaching game, had been for three and a half years. And I looked at that money and I'm like, cool. I'm going to go circumnavigate the globe. And I did. And I went and studied with the founders. I got to eight of the nine of the systems. And there's tons of great systems out there that I don't know anything about. Okay, Just out of the stuff that I'd been exposed to, 
I went and studied with eight of the nine founders of the systems, right? And most of the time, I would go, I would be able to go there, go there, and hang out before, take the training, do some private lessons with them, connect, in hang out with the community that they created, and then stay afterwards. And so un- I just knew I needed to do that. Um, and so I got to take a good look, take the pulse of different communities. And um, those lessons paid big dividends as we were building our community. Because there's a way you can strangle things. Okay? The, the, as the Taoist saying, the Taoist, the Taoist, there's a Taoist saying, the, the, uh, the, the stronger that you clench your fist, the stronger you hold on, the faster you'll let go. Mm. Right? And that's, um, and I've done a pretty good job, take out the pretty, of turning the volume down and keeping it down on my own victim mentality and a telephobia, the fear of not being good enough. So what does that mean? I'm in a great position to um, facilitate and enjoy watching our coaches soar. So, so yeah, our doors are always open. Come in and come in, study, go out, do your thing, never hear from you again, stay the whole time, whatever you want. It's a dojo. It's a Mm -hmm. dojo. It's a school. And Lifted is, it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 1989. Okay? In 1993, in November 1993, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was showcased to the world through the UFC. And before, they were smoking people uh, in Southern California, teaching it out of garages. Um, And that's where we're at right now. And (laughs) we're a couple of big shows. Um, we'll, we'll, We'll have our We'll have our seminal moment um, uh, of reaching critical mass um, because, and, and like I said, take it take it with a grain of salt. We're the best. Something that I've noticed We're about you. We're the best you, in the language game, period. You are, you, you embody an archetype that is familiar to somebody that starts movements. A bit of a hermit kind of weird yeah take out the kind of take out the bit of a hermit i'm a hermit <laughs> like i do this thing and then I, I spend more time alone than most people that anyone knows you have haters good and you have lovers great that's an interesting combination of things and if i can offer any support beyond what i do with the show for you guys and beyond all the conversations I have around how much I love the Enlifting community we guys are doing, I want to extend to you this confirmation that you're living a hero's journey that, or a myth, living this myth that is legendary. And go for it. If at any point your own victim mentality comes out and starts to be a dick, that doesn't need to happen. It's legendary. I'm proud of you. I'm inspired by you. I'm not proud. I'm inspired by you. Thank you. Tell you what I did there uh, later. Well, I appreciate that. I do. Um, And just to be honest, I get that feeling. I get that feeling too. I'm like, dude, you're 
you're playing with some big magic, man. You're playing with some big magic. And if you keep doing this, if you keep fucking doing this, which I'm going to, like, I'm not, I'm not going to fly this too close to the sun. I'm going to fly straight in the middle of that. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I just have to. Yeah. I have to. I have to know. I have to find out. <laughs> and um, I believe what I say. That might be the craziest thing anyone's ever said. I believe what I say about the victim mentality and what happens when we dismantle it. And I also believe what I say about being able. We have the possibility. Everyone's everyone's in on this team. It's called Team okay. Human. Okay, that whole Team Transhumanism can lick these nuts. I think I'd include some aliens in here, though. Like, the I good ones. The, we could. What would happen? Let's just get simple with a question. What would happen if the collective breath of humanity was unlocked? What would happen? It's hard for me to fathom that. And and I can feel I can feel a, a semblance of the of the celestial rightness and beauty of that. Good. And that's all I need. It's like that and a cup of gas station coffee. God. And I'm I'm fucking going for it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, on that, because I also really have to pee. In an if you come back in another two or three years, I think it's been three years since you were on last. Who knows where we're gonna be? Should I let my beard keep going? No. No, we gotta see that face. You got a good jawline, you got good skin. I'm better looking without the beard. A and little yet, bit. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I still have, I like it. It's like, I, I don't, here, that, that's also a good, I don't care about being good looking. That's very freeing, by the way. Should I grow a beard? You couldn't grow, you don't have one hair on, like. <laughs> All right. Asian. I am. Half Asian. All right. I really do have to pee. So we're going to shut this down. Uh, Mark, thank you for being on. Really. Jessica. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Anything you want to say before I close this out? No. Where can people find you? For the certifications, they're platinum standard. Coaching tools. <laughs> We're the best. I said it again. Enlifted.me. We have a podcast, Get Enlifted, and that's for coaches, uh, it's four coaches by coaches talking about language and stories and breath. And then uh, Instagram, at and lifted coaches. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. You ready to have some fun here in Austin? Let's do it. All right.